We came for salvation. We came for family. We came for all that's good. That's how we'll walk away. Aloha and welcome to the Layman's Lounge podcast, which is a ministry of the laymanslounge.com, where we exist to bring everyday theology to encourage Christians for everyday life, which is every day, good old fashioned every day, um, meat and potatoes sort of every day. I'm Jason Estopano. I'm a business process analyst and a YWAMer in Kona, Hawaii. Aloha. And that's Joe Humphreys, an appliance salesman in Mount Vernon, Washington. What's up, Joe? Hello. Um, my divine message today, I was thinking about appliances. And one of the scariest things I see people go through is when they buy a refrigerator, they don't realize that it forces them to use filters. And so I just want you to know that the filters cost 60 bucks. Oh, and the first time I tell people that, they think that we're holding them at gunpoint. Just, just get ready for it. <laughs> All right, you heard it here, guys. Don't be caught off guard with those filters. <laughs> On the other line, Dr. Mike Wagonman, who is a friend of the Layman's Lounge. He's a churchman, a scholar, and what we love the most about him. He's a practitioner of the faith. He doesn't just just type away in the ivory tower. He's down in in just with us. He's eating the roast beef and he's eating the carrots and he's uh, doing that. So he earned his, but he is very wise. He earned his PhD from University of Bristol. He's a proper scholar on Abraham Kuyper, but I will caveat in such a way that he moves forward with Kuyper and builds upon what he's gleaned from him, which not, you know, which we love. Not a whole lot of folks are doing that. He's not just a historian. So anyways, he teaches courses in theology and culture New Testament interpretation and vocational wayfinding at, amongst other institutions, Western and Redeemer, to name a few. By the way, um, Dr. Wegeman, what in the world is vocational wayfinding? Well, you'll have to take my course, but uh, basically, once you decide to follow Jesus, then what does your vocation look like? What does the pathway look like? How do you find your way? Oh, okay. So in other words, it's yeah. super practical. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. What are you, you, you going to do with your one precious life? Oh my gosh, that's so good. Most people think um, I need to mass evangelize every single person in my cubicle um, because I'm not doing, and, and send money to the real Christian workers on the front lines who are, you know, missionaries and, um, and they, I mean, I often thought that like, oh, I guess I'm not a youth pastor or a missionary. So I suppose I'll just have to support the real folks on the front. But I know that you've got a whole robust view of that, which surely we'll get in. But um, uh, Dr. Wegeman is the author and contributor to some great books. And I even had a, and chapters and articles and I had to parse it down. But one of them is Together for the World, the Book of Acts. The next one is The Power of the Church, the Ecclesiology of Abraham Kuyper. And then finally, the one that we're concerned with today is Engaging the World with Abraham Kuyper, Lexham Press, 2019. Yeah, the book Engaging the World with Abraham Kuyper. So good. It's, it's a part of Lexham's um, Engaging the World series. 
And so it's, it's sort of this, this uh, li- the lived theology series explores the aspect of Christian doctrine through the eyes of men and women who practice it. So you're already seeing a, uh, a repeated theme here, um, hopefully. Um, and before we jump into the first question, I do want to announce that today is the final day of, of this enormous giveaway we're doing called the Seven Days of Glory, the Seven Days of Shekinah. By the way, do you know the Dutch word? We're not going to judge you, but do you know the Dutch word for Shekinah? No. Oh, it I would be Shekinah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but so, yeah, um, we're teamed up with Lexum, and seven people are going to get a copy of, um, of Dr. Wegenman's Engaging the World with Abraham Kuyper, and one person's going to win that book, as well as Unbelief and Revolution, um, Ever in Thy Sight, <clears throat> which is a, which is a, a you know, a, a precursor to Kuyperian. Um, um, unbe- uh, Ever in Thy Sight, like sort of devotionals by Kuyper, On the Church by Kuyper, On Education by Kuyper, Pro Reggae Volume 1, Common Grace Volume 1. It's literally like $8 million worth of books, and that's pretty legit. So be sure to follow our uh, Instagram or Facebook. <clears throat> I'm sorry you had to sit through that. Dr. Dr. Wagaman, I apologize. Okay. That's okay. I, I love hearing about all these real thick books about Abraham Kuyper that are coming out. So it's all good. So my, que- my first question for you, brothers, who's Abraham Kuyper? But, um, you know, classic, that's, that's what you expect. But why should a soccer mom or a busy dad care about this Dutchman who died <clears throat> Literally 200 years ago, like almost to the day that we'll run this. Well, 100 years ago. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Give or take 100 years. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's no big deal. What's 100 years between friends? Um, But yeah, died in 1920. So uh, 2020 is the 100-year anniversary. This is a great question. Why should someone care about a 100-year dead white guy? You're rubbing that in on me. Okay. (laughs) And, uh, And, you know, this really gets at what you were saying before, Jason right? Like there, there is this way of thinking that we can, uh, we can kind of fall into, right? That, that the, the real Christians or the, you know, the Christians who are really taking their faith seriously, right? They're the, the pastors, they're the missionaries. Uh, and, uh, you know, the rest of us, you know, refrigerator salesmen and whatnot, like we just, we just warm the pew and we send a check, right? Yeah. And this is the thing about Abraham Kuyper, is he had this conviction that in Jesus, God created this whole big, beautiful world and gave human beings this, what sometimes we call this cultural mandate, uh, that we were given this task of unfolding in this creation all the potential that's in it, that God put in it. So Jesus made it all, right? Uh, Colossians chapter one, in, in Jesus, uh, everything that is was made. And then Jesus comes in his life, you know, in his ministry, in his death and resurrection, and he redeems all things. You know, we even have that, um, that Christmas hymn where we sing, uh, you know, far as the curse is found, uh, the, the redeeming work of Christ, right? So, so Jesus created everything. Colossians 1, uh, again, that in Jesus, all things are being redeemed. 
And what Abraham Kuyper did is as the modern world was kind of emerging, right? As we were beginning the 20th century uh, and life was becoming very diverse and, you know, all kinds of stuff is happening, right? You don't just have like politicians and farmers and that's it. You have all these different um, Mm -hmm. like vocations, right? All these different jobs that people have in society. And what he did is he helped everyday ordinary Christians connect their faith with all of their life. Mm-hmm. That, that their faith in Jesus wasn't just about what they do on Sunday morning or maybe on Wednesday night, you know, youth group or something. Like those things are important. Mm-hmm. But that following Jesus means following Jesus into the whole world where we have a part to play in the unfolding of the redemptive work of God. So good. That, no, the, the, the way I first became even aware of, of Abraham Kuyper was I was, you know, the Christianity, which I thought was the true Christianity, this evangelical Christianity was like really left me in want. Cause basically that Christianity was like, I have to gain and a hell to shun and like try your hardest not to sin, like sin management. And I know this strikes a chord with you because you said that Kuiper deeply resonated, deeply resonated with you and with the apostle Paul. You said um, that Christ is the Lord of all things and not just your heart, man, that, that was spot on. That's what drew me to him. So what were the very first um, glimpses or the first things that made you go, Whoa, this Abraham Kuiper is like, um, He's not just hitting that like 5% of my Christian life, which is on Sunday and then looking forward to when I die. But yeah. the other 95, the, um, the roast beef and the beach trip and education. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, like sometimes I, I think about it in the sense like, uh, you know, sometimes we can think about uh, what Jesus has done in our lives as, as kind of fire insurance, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a kind of get out of hell free card, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it was in Kuiper that I realized it's not just that we in Jesus are saved from like eternal punishment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, eternal separation from God. But it's that in Jesus, we are saved for something that, that we actually have a positive, a, a positive thing to do in the world, right? Um, and then you basically look at what Kuiper did throughout his, his life. So, uh, you know, he was a pastor. He, he was the son of a pastor. And so he kind of followed in his father's footsteps as a pastor. But very quickly, he started to realize that there were issues, like at the end of the 19th century in his part of the world, that Christians needed to have a voice in addressing. And uh, some of the issues, you know, are, are, are kind of like outdated for us, you know, like he was dealing with like voter reform. Um, you know, and giving the vote to more and more people in society. Like we can't even hardly imagine that, you know, only wealthy men could vote at one point, but that was like 150 years ago. And, and he pushed to change that. And he, 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 he pushed to change uh, the way media worked uh, and, and education. And he went on to found a, like a labor union and a political party and a university and he served in politics. And so, you know, here you have this, this one individual who catches this vision that all of life can be lived to the glory of God, right? Not just in a kind of 
fearful of the future, you know, ramifications, but that what I do for Jesus matters, you know, today. And, uh, and that was basically for me, the doorway into seeing, and we can maybe talk about this, but he, you know, he does this in a particular way, but he enters into the whole of the world as a Christian Mm. Uh, to to be, you know, sort of what Jesus talks about as like, you know, salt and light in a dark and decaying world. Mm-hmm. Are there are there any like realities around us today in North America or even in Amsterdam? I mean, you kind of touch on this that uh, that that we see are a result of or at least connected with Kuiper's thinking or the things they push. Even and even if we didn't know that, we could we could trace them back to Kuiper, like either in media or theology or, or politics? Well, so one of the biggest areas where you can see this today um, is in uh, private Christian education. So for example, after World War II, many Dutch immigrants uh, to North America, primarily to Canada, but also to the U.S., they, they brought this idea with them uh, that when children are growing up that, you know, they, they are in a kind of formative phase of life. And if they can be raised in an educational setting where the curriculum comes from a Christian perspective and that the student is constantly being encouraged to think about their life, not as like, you know, how can I get more money or how can I get more fame or celebrity? Right. But, but how can I be of service to the world? right? Mm. How can I be a loving service to the world? And so, you know, there are so many like Christian elementary schools and high schools and, and even colleges and universities that all have grown out of this kind of movement that Abraham Kuyper started. Now, I can't say that like all Christian schools are like that, but there are many, like even around the world, mm. uh, that, that specifically out of this particular tradition have mm. grown up to try to say, you know, you know what, even all of the curriculum that we study in school, even all of that falls under the Lordship of Christ. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dr. Kuiper for that one. God rest your soul from a hundred, hundred years ago now. Uh, I've often wondered, you might not know this. I've actually never really, and I've done some recon and, and no one really seems to know, but I've often wondered how his, how his ideas went forward in the sense of like the people who picked up his flame, you know what I mean? So like you, in theory, I would expect Amsterdam to be, you know, on fire with um, the glory of God, but we, we kind of know the way Amsterdam is right now. Um, You know, the Lord's sovereign though, but do you know of anybody who's carried the flame forward like directly after him and, how it was able to take root anywhere. You, you might not know, but I was just curious if you did. Well, th- there is a tradition. Um, now I'm going to want to come back to one of the working assumptions that I hear in your question Uh-oh. Uh, that I want to, that I want to talk about. Um, but yeah, like there is a tradition uh, that kind of flows out of Abraham Kuyper. Herman Bovink is a theologian that came after him uh, Herman Doiweird is a philosopher that came later. Um, theologians like Burkauer, but even people in our own day, like the philosopher Nick Woltersdorf or Alvin Plantinga, the theologian Richard Mao, uh, you know, 
there are a group of us that are still working in various fields uh, out of the kind of, you might call it the worldview Mm. that Abraham Kuyper sought to uh, Mm. kind of build out of scripture. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I want to get back to that question. All right. You know, this assumption, right. There's, there's a kind of assumption in the question that, uh, you know, if Abraham Kuyper was such a, such a powerhouse, you know, for the gospel, why do, why does the Netherlands look the way that it does? And, you know, this is one of the areas with Kuyper where, uh, we have to be a little bit careful uh, today, especially, and, and I would say especially in North America, because there are some people who try to use Kuiper in a kind of triumphalistic sense, you know, in the sense that, um, you know, if we have a Christian worldview and if we uh, deploy our gifts in society, you know, in these kind of loving and, and service oriented ways that this will like, automatically and inevitably lead to a Christian society. And it's that kind of triumphalistic assumption that, that Christianity is like this slam dunk, like tool that can be used to make society the way we think it should be made. And, and I, I really don't think that that's what Kuiper was, was getting at. Like, I think what Kuiper was getting at was, Christians, no matter the context that they live in, have been given gifts and abilities and opportunities to live their whole life for Christ, not just as a missionary, not just as a pastor, but as a plumber, as a baker, as, a, as an accountant, right, uh, as a tool and die maker, like that, that every Christian can feel that they have received a calling from Jesus to use their gifts to go out and to like make the world work, you know, uh, and some gifts, uh, you know, they're a little, little flashier than others. Like they're a little more out front, right? Like Abraham Kuyper himself, he ended up becoming the prime minister of the Netherlands in, in 1901. So obviously a very public and very influential role, but that role wasn't to be like, a way of forcing society to go the way he thought it should go. It was more, I'm using the gifts and the opportunities that God has given me to be a faithful follower of Jesus in, in my time and place. You can so, catch that, what I'm talking about? It seems like um, you get from him this concept of lordship permeating all of reality. Um, what is it? Why is it lordship? Uh, if I'm building pumps, um, I used to build pumps and it was the worst thing ever. Um, it felt so worthless. Why would lordship, um, is it just understanding a certain concept about lordship? What it, can you help me with lordship yeah. and building pumps? Well, okay, so I can help you with lordship, but unfortunately, I know nothing about what you're talking about when you talk about pumps. Um, <laughs> they uh, pump sand, mud. We built whoa. pumps that pumped everything. Cement. You had to get a shovel and get your hands dirty, man. Buy okay. a pump. All right, so, so here's the thing. Um, Jesus has this title uh, of Lord, right? So, I mean, this grows out of the ancient world where, uh, you know, there were kings who ruled uh, a kingdom, 
and, and, and from, you know, the earliest chapters of Genesis on, this is how God is pictured for us in scripture. God is pictured as the supreme Lord, like the supreme king over his kingdom. And his kingdom is this world that he's made. Um, and what Abraham Kuyper did was he said, okay, in this world that we live in, there are individual people. And then there is like the government. But there's, he said, there's way more to life and there's way more to society than just the government and the individual. He said there was, there was this realm of human life, we would call it today civil society, where there are all of these, he called them spheres, spheres of life, like there's a religious sphere of life, like there's a religious dynamic or element to life. There's, um, you know, there's an artistic element to life. There's a uh, family, uh, you know, government, business, like all of these different ways that life works. Uh, he, he said, these are like spheres of human cultural activity. And the problem is, is when we think about ourselves as, okay, I'm going to use the pump example, right? Uh, when we think about ourselves as pump makers, the temptation that we have is to boil our, our way of thinking down to, I'm just working for the boss, right? I'm just working for the paycheck. And what Kuiper wants to remind the Christian is, okay, you're making pumps, but as it says in scripture, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So yeah, you're making pumps, but you're making pumps for Jesus, right? And so see the work that you're doing um, and you know, if it's crappy work, then maybe you want to get different work, but, but see the work that you're doing as the opportunity that you have right now in this moment to do what you do for Jesus. Like, even if the boss is a jerk, right. And the work is terrible by reframing it. Right. And, uh, you know, if you're in a school, right, you're not just working for the teacher, like you kind of are, but at an ultimate level, you're working for Jesus, right? If you run a corporation, you're not just working for the shareholders, you know, maybe humanly speaking, you are, but you're working for Jesus, right? So that's what Kuiper does for us, is he reminds us that Jesus is the king. He is the king over everything, right? Teachers and pump makers and candlestick makers, you know, like everything. And, and that is a great source of encouragement like for the individual Christian. So build the pump. It seems silly, but as if Christ, if you were building it for him, for someone. So you would say maybe in a loving manner, make sure that I'm using all my skill to make sure that this person doesn't get a pump that's going to break a year sooner than it could have. So, so these are the conversations I have with my students all the time. There is this stream in this way of thinking. If you were to follow Abraham Kuyper and this tradition, there's a way of thinking uh, about the structure of the world and the direction that the world is pointed in. And so basically everything in the world, uh, you know, that is kind of part of creation um, is something that's made, you know, by God, like the tree is, is made by God and, uh, you know, marriage is made by God, et cetera, et cetera. 
that's the structure of the world. There, is, there are these things that are in the world, but human beings come along and, you know, we're these, these broken, flawed creatures who sometimes want to obey God and sometimes want to obey ourselves or some other, you know, thing whispering in our ear or whatever. And when we take the world and distort it or twist it away from its intended, um, you know, participation in the rest of the world, that's where sin enters into, right? So let's, let's use the example of a pump, okay? So human beings make a pump. And on one level, you can see a pump is like, you know, kind of part of creation. But you can right away see that the making of a pump can be oriented or directed to all kinds of different things, right? Making pumps could be purely uh, a financial grab, right? Um, it, it could be, you know, just as easily, it could be making a product that actually helps people it, when there's a problem, right? And so this opens up a way of thinking for every person who has a job, how in the job that I have, can I take this job and direct it either to the, you know, the healing of the world or, or hope or, uh, you know, just the stability of life, right? How can I, how can I orient it in God and Christ uh, honoring ways and, and therefore avoid the ways that it can be so easily twisted into, you know, well, let's just make the thing as cheaply as possible so we can maximize our profits, right? Or, uh, you know, let, let's use materials that are inexpensive and yet they're going to pollute the, the, the planet even more when its life cycle is, is done, right? So that, those are all of the practical questions that all of a sudden enter in uh, to thinking about your, you know, your pump job. This, that's a super compelling, I mean, that is so compelling and in, in the process, for sure, he's sharing the God, announcing the gospel and the Lordship of Christ to those around him. And he's, <clears throat> you know, maybe he is supporting missionaries and his local church. But I love that there's these other things that are involved that glorify God, increase the common good. Um, he's operating as an image bearer. It's, it really, really is compelling. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Can I, can I just follow up on that for one second? Yeah. Because like, as long as you don't disagree with me. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to put some fuel on the fire at the same time, because like, this is where, you know, we need to rediscover what it means to follow this particular Jesus who discloses to us this particular God, mm-hmm. right? We were made back in Genesis one, two, we were made to be the image bearers of God, right? The ones that reflect God into the world and then gather up the praises of the world in worship back to God, right? And um, when, when the whole thing goes sideways in Genesis 3, right? God initiates his, his redemption by calling Abram in Genesis 12. And Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 through 3, is, is like the paradigmatic, it's like the it's like the prime example of what it means to follow this God, right? That when God chooses you, he chooses you not just to be chosen, but 
to be chosen for a purpose, right? Okay. All what right. Is, what does God say to Abram, right? That I'm going to bless you and through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed, right? We are not blessed by God just to be blessed. Wow. We are blessed in order to be a blessing, right? And so then when we are following Jesus, we are following this God who doesn't just call us to follow Jesus so we can follow Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> he calls us to follow Jesus so that in following Jesus, we can be part of his redemption of the whole world. <laughs> Go on, preacher. I'll, I'll be quiet now. No, man, that's, that's, what, we're ta- that's what we're talking about. That's what we're looking for. Can yeah. you, earlier, you mentioned your students. Can you give us, and you've already done this sort of, but can, can you give us, if you feel comfortable, um, <clears throat> an example in your own ministry that's been sh- shaped, um, at least shaped, even as a foundation or something, it has maybe progressed, or, but it's been shaped by Kuiper's thoughts, sort of, or insight as your starting point? It might just be as simple as what you just did there with us talking about vocation, common good, and... Well, um, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a, a bit of a, okay, it's, it's going to be slightly, okay, I want to say it's going to be slightly, possibly controversial. Okay. Um, and I want to talk about society. Okay, because if we think about North American society today, like um, you don't have to have looked at the news online very much in the last 12 or 24 hours to know Uh, that we are part of a society here in North America that is deeply divided. And our deep divisions are causing all kinds of violence, right? Now, one of the things that I've learned from Kuiper, and, and I actually don't, I'm not convinced that Kuiper is a perfect example of this. I think that in some ways Kuiper got this in his own life wrong. But if we read Kuiper and kind of look at his life in the most generous way possible, one of the things, and I'm gonna use our language that we use today for this, one of the things that we would want to recover is that we live in a world of diversity You know, when we think about the creation stories in Genesis 1 and 2, what we see on full display is a God who likes to create all kinds of stuff, right? God doesn't just create one animal, Mm. right? Or one plant, right? Um, And if we look around our world, and Kuiper does this all the time, especially in his devotional writings, he says, look at all of the beautiful diversity that's in the world. And the diversity is actually... You know, if you look at Revelation 7, you know, it's supposed to be this beautiful thing that just displays the magnificence of God and God's kingdom when everything in all of its diversity is brought into peace and harmony in Jesus, right? And so the word that we need to recover today is this word pluralism, that we all come into life with certain perspectives. We, we come into life with political perspectives, religious perspectives, economic perspectives. And, and what Kuiper would want to see is that these differences of opinion are not, 
they, they should not be the sorts of things that just cause conflict and division and strife and basically cause society to break down. But all of these different perspectives need to come together in a kind of pluralist way so that different perspectives can speak into the issues that we're facing because the issues we're facing are very complex. Like there's, there's no like magic bullet that just solves, you know, the economic uh, inequalities in North American society. Like we actually need the right and the left to be talking to each other because they're often talking about very different things. Mm. And, uh, and that's one of the things that I would say has helped me the most in my work. Cause you know, I teach theology at a public like secular university mm. and what Kuiper has given to me is he's given me an appreciation that, you know, it's not just that we're all made in the image of God, like that's true, but it's, it's, it goes beyond that, that mm. we all have these perspectives that we have. And what we need to do is we need to come together, even with our differences mm. and we need to engage each other because oftentimes the thing that you see differently than I do is you're seeing part of my blind spot. Mm. And, and the thing that I'm seeing is maybe seeing part of your blind spot. Mm. And so our differences are the richness that God has woven into the world so that we are better equipped as God's image bearers to deal with the complex realities of our world. Mm-hmm. See, and we're, we've got that totally backwards today, right? We've got it totally backwards where either you're on my team or we just wish you would go away. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's kind of how North American society is right now. And, and oftentimes we, we want you to go away, you know, and it's kind of a violent thing because if you don't go away, I'm going to shoot you. And, and what Kuiper gives to me, whether it's in my classroom or just talking with students, you know, just in the hallway, you know, is, okay, I might not agree with you right now, but, you know, we are in this together. God wants you here. God wants me here. And maybe our different perspectives it's sort of like, what is, is it one of the Proverbs that says, you know, as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another, right? We often just think about that as like two Christians. But what if it's me and my Muslim friend, right? Mm-hmm. Or my secular atheist friend? Mm-hmm. Like, we need to see each other in much more hospitable and gracious ways. Because oftentimes, the, the things that I have learned in my life, I haven't learned from myself, mm-hmm. I've learned from somebody who at first saw it differently than me. Dr. Dr. Wagenmann and I have, have had some conversations offline. And um, if you're still willing down the road, I would love to have a part two with you more about this because it's so like, how can these things be? You know what I mean? Like when it hits the road and just from the few, I remember just the, like when we talked about this, you blew my mind. Because, I mean, full honesty, I don't know how, how there's another way. I, I don't know. And even just when we spoke about this, like it, we spoke for like 10 minutes and it followed me at length. So anyways, if I would love to con- continue that, this specific thing down the road. I know you're busy writing like two more books coming, at least two. So if we could return it at a later point, I would love yeah. it. No pressure. Yeah. Um, can you tell us some of the things that have been um, 
published by Kuiper and what sort of things we're going to find there? Published by Kuiper. Or, oh, I'm sorry, written by Kuiper. Yeah, yeah, written by Kuiper. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so the, uh, the bibliography of everything that Kuiper has written is like, it's a thick book. I mean, he wrote so much. In fact, I have a book coming out uh, in a few months on um, the concept of power um, in Abraham Kuyper's thought, uh, mm-hmm. especially like, like power in civic institutions, right? So this all started for me when, uh, you know, a few years back, the, the, um, like the church sex abuse scandals were starting to emerge in the news and, and people were talking about how the church is abusing its power and I really, I latched onto that idea because I thought, well, to talk about an institution like the church abusing its power, you have to have some sense of what the positive, like what is, what is the power and what is it, what is it actually for? So this book is going to kind of try to address that. Um, but this is the beautiful thing about Kuiper is he, he wrote like devotional books you know, like a, like a, like a scripture and a reflection per day kind of thing. Um, he, he wrote, uh, like very accessible books about theology and philosophy. He wrote like Bible studies. Um, he, uh, well for like, uh, for like 50 years, he was a newspaper editor and so he was constantly writing like news commentary about what's happening, you know, in current events and things. Right. So there's, there's all kinds of stuff. Now, um, thanks to Lexham Press, a lot of this is being translated into English, um, yes, yes. sometimes and for the very first time. I just want to jump in on one of those things just to like plug this giveaway because yeah. like we said, in addition to your book, but um, the like sort of the devotionals, one of those is Ever in Thy Sight, which will be one of the seven books we're giving away to one, to one winner. And then on the church, on education, pro-reg, common grace, those are all enormous books sort of um, that he's also, uh, you know, that, that ha- have been compiled by Lexham and are coming out. I do want to ask you, for me, now you might rebuke me. Uh-oh. I love when I read Kuiper. Um, he's so nuanced, man. And he talks about every, he talks about everything. But, and again, rebuke me or tell me your thoughts. But I, I often enjoy reading Kuyperians rather than Kuiper himself. Is that, am I, am I a train wreck for that? Am I like so well, uncool? I, I think I might know what you mean. Uh, it, it, it depends what you mean. Like, like this is. Like this your is, guy, Bartholomew, that's your pal. He is on fire and I've gleaned oh, so yeah. much. And you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, part of it is like, not to bring this up again. I don't mean to poke you in your, in your sore spot, but you know, he died a hundred years ago. Um, so All right, interviews over, we got go. <laughs> but you know what that means is, you know, he was living in a different context, right? He was living in a different culture. He was living in, you know, uh, almost a kind of romantic, uh, time period. And, um, th- sometimes when he writes, and obviously in English, you know, we're reading it in translation, you know, and it's never good to read something in translation. It's never as good, but, but, you know, sometimes he can just say things that, you know, after 150 years of development, you know, we see things differently, like on the issue, um, like on the issue of race, like Kuiper was just wrong. 
mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, that blacks are inferior to whites. He's just flat out wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of, I mean, that's a very common European worldview that got transplanted even to North America. Um, uh, so, and it's unfortunate, you know, but these things, his, this is what history is, right? It's littered with both forward steps and backward steps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, like what I'm, what I would say about, uh, so I don't really have much interest in rebuking you, Jason, but, but one of the things that I notice is that there are those of us, you know, sort of like what I'm doing with this book, who are trying to take this guy, you know, who lived basically in a previous century. But Just who, say it a hundred years ago. <laughs> but, you know, whose insights were so profound that even, you know, in our own day, they still open up pathways mm. for new ways of thinking about these intractable problems. Mm. Like in my new book about power, and, and it's especially the power of the church. Like, mm. I think a lot of us are are wrestling, like in especially in the pandemic. You know, we're we're really wrestling with, well, what's the church all about? And and if we yeah. can't go to church, then wow. like like what is the church? Yeah, I, I think we're really wrestling with an identity mm-hmm. crisis. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I, and 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 where you know there are parts of Kuiper that are not helpful. I'm hoping to show in this new book that when it comes to understanding what the church is for like as an institution in society, Kuiper yeah. has some stuff that like we haven't even begun to understand what he has to say about the role of the church within society. Wow. And, and I think that when this book comes out, I mean, it's going to cause a lot of us to give our heads a shake wow. because we've gotten so into the culture wars. What, what's the name of that book and when's it going to be out? So uh, it's called the power of the church the sacramental ecclesiology of Abraham Kuyper uh, Pickwick publishers is, is going to bring it out. Um, I'm just sending this week, the final pages off to the publisher. It's going to print. So I'm thinking in a couple of months. Um, now, if you wanted to send that to me, I'll approve it or not. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Cause you like to read Kuyperians, not Kuyper. I do want to say two things. One Thanks for bringing up the hundred year thing again. I was just going to edit that out. And now we've said it at least eight times. So whatever. And this <laughs> brother, I, one thing I love about you is that you acknowledge that Kuiper was like, a, he's like a jerk, you know, like, I mean, for lack of a better words, I think, I don't remember if I read the book, your book when it first came out. I don't remember if you almost gave like an entire, might've been the conclusion or almost like an entire chapter to the fact that, like yeah. he was a jerk. He stopped going to church. Didn't seem very pious. Um, and then like you just said, some of his views on like race were just insane. Like, um, I guess, could you speak to the fact that Kuiper kind of sucked a little bit? Well, you know, like he was a real human being, mm-hmm. you know, again, this gets to some of our like kind of Christian celebrity assumptions, right? That those, those flashy preachers uh, who are in the media um, and, and seem to have everything going well. Like I'm actually quite suspicious of all of them. Um, and, uh, and I think Kuiper, you know, he was a real human being too. Like he had, he had his wonderful gifts and he deployed them marvelously, but you know, he was a, he was a sinner just like I am. 
Mm. And so some of these areas, like, you know, his, his, I, I talk about it as his legacy and I mention it in this book. I go into more detail with it in this new book. Uh, but yeah, his legacy, like especially South Africa, mm. like if you think about apartheid in South Africa, there is a very strong influence of Kuiper's thinking in apartheid, um, you know, back in the, in the eighties. And, uh, and, and I just feel like we have a calling as Christians to say, okay, this, this person in this case, Kuiper, you know, they got some things so right that we have to keep reflecting on them because they're so dynamic and powerful for, for even our life today. But, you know, just as much, we have to be like, okay, but here, like that is, he was totally wrong there, you know? And I think it's, I think it's the same with people today. You know, when, when the Christian celebrity preachers get up, there are things that they say that are true, but there are also things that they say that are absolutely wrong. And, uh, you know, we do not do the cause of Christ any benefit by just kind of ignoring that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like if, if there is a Christian celebrity preacher now uh, who believes in white superiority, mm. like our whole world in North America right now is saying we have got to deal with this baggage because mm. it is, it's not just wrong, but I mean, it's a form of violence against our brothers and sisters. Right. Yeah. So we have to address it. And so, you know, those are the ways in which like we're all embedded in our history mm-hmm. and, and part of the historical process is we take the good things with us, but we leave the junk behind and, and we have to do that. Meat, we have to do that. The bones, take the meat, spit the bone. That's what my old preacher said. <laughs> you, uh, you, um, man, we got to go soon because you got to leave, but this is, this is really good. Um, you had mentioned, <clears throat> You did your PhD uh, studies in Europe, I, I think, under Dr. Craig Bartholomew, who's a, another Kuyperian. Um, really, really great, like really insightful. Um, and I was reading about you that you, you said you received like much, we might be going full circle here, but much like sort of healing, if you will, or um, rest or something while studying Kuiper. And again, we might be kind of going full circle. But can you yeah. tell us, because that's really compelling, uh, well, yeah, so this is kind of a personal story. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a minister in a church, uh, and, uh, and I've, I've spent my life in the church. And yet um, I have experienced manipulation, coercion, and even outright abuse from church leaders. And uh, I, I, I did not expect this, but spending, you know, three years researching Kuiper and doing my PhD on Kuiper, especially on this question of power, um, having the opportunity to, to, okay, I had all these negative experiences of power in my own personal life, right? But then to put alongside of that a positive way of thinking about power in a deeply Christian, in a deeply biblical way, it helped me deal with like kind of at a psychological level, right? Almost at a spiritual level. It helped me deal with my own personal experience that yes, this is what the brokenness of the world looks like, but 
what I was trying to, uh, what I was studying and trying to come to understand was the positive side. What is the positive side of power? Because I had experienced a lot of the negative side. And I think a lot of people experience, you know, uh, not just toxic forms of Christian faith, but actually violent forms of Christian faith. And when you can rediscover who Jesus is and who he has called his church to be at, at a deep level, like that, that is, that can be for, for many people, but it was definitely for me uh, a healing experience. And, and it, was, it was Abraham Kuyper's views about how the church can abuse it, its power um, that helped me kind of see my own perspective in a new light and to work through it. So I hate to ask this, but it, in your book, you, you say, um, I don't know if this is something that came from your experience or something that actually came from Kuiper, but you say they envisioned individual Christians and Christian organizations taking their faith in the power of the spirit into the world for Christ is the spirit play a role in that power that you're talking about there, or am I totally misreading that line? Yeah, I'd have to check the page exactly to see what I had in my mind, but uh, this is what I find to be the, one of the most beautiful things about Kuiper is, is his understanding of the Holy spirit. He actually wrote a whole book about the Holy spirit and um you know, a lot of people can get kind of really into the kind of ecstatic experiences of the spirit and, uh, uh, you know, kind of the bells and whistles, you know. Uh, but what Kuiper does is, is he roots the work of the Holy Spirit in, you know, this Jesus who created all things, who is redeeming all things, that the spirit is at work in the whole world. And, and, and oftentimes in, in very subtle ways, even like this is uh, Kuiper's book on common grace. He writes this massive two volume book about how God's grace is at work outside of the church and like outside of like kind of Christian activity, yeah. right? That, that God is so faithful to his creation that some mysterious way by the working of his spirit, he is able to be at work far beyond where we can perceive him to be at work, mm-hmm. you know, even just in the faithfulness of the sun coming up every day and the seasons changing, etc. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like one of the things that I hope for is, you know, and it's not, it's not to sort of discount those ecstatic experiences of the spirit, but one of the things I hope for is for the followers of Jesus to realize that the spirit of Jesus that they have been given has been given to them. Yes. As an encouragement, as a comfort, et cetera, you know, all of that, but has been given to them so that they can be like these little instances of the kingdom of God and the shalom of God, the, the flourishing of God's creation all over the place, yeah. right? Again, that, you know, that, that we are sent into the world to bless the world and not just to have the world keep blessing us, yeah. right? Or just be blessed by God in the midst of the world. Mm-hmm. Like we have this role and, and Kuiper helps us to see it's the spirit who works within us, right? To, uh, to make us this like 
you know, to make us a channel of God's peace in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the role of the spirit. And, and we need to, sometimes I talk about the Holy Spirit as like the holy vibe. You know, you walk into a room and, and you kind of, you kind of, you kind of feel the vibe in the room, right? Is this a, is this a party I want to be at or not? Right. Is this a family I want to be a part of? Mm-hmm. Well, that that's, that's one kind of sense of the spirit, right? Is what, what is happening in this group of people, right? Is this group of people uh, just a bunch of debauchery and, and, and death? Mm. And, and the Holy Spirit is like, it's supposed to be this holy vibe, like this, this new, this life-giving, this hope-giving, this courage-giving vibe mm. that, that, that animates us individually, but also animates us as, as a people, as a, as a group, so that we yeah. can be a movement in the world. Yeah, fruit, fruits of the spirit yielding those things. The quote, almost every other episode we have, um, the quote is from Kuiper is shared. I can't believe you didn't do it. That's like the Ramones not, you know, not playing uh, the Blitzkrieg bop. But it said, this is the famous Kuiper quote that uh, Dr. Wagaman like totally tried to like not, not hit us with it. But it is this, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. And so today we've been talking with Dr. Michael Wagenman um, in, in connection with Kuiper and his book, which we commend to you, Engaging the World with Abraham Kuiper, Lexham Press, 2019, and just going to hit you with the, some chapter titles. Jesus is Lord of my identity. Jesus is Lord of public discourse, of education, the church, society, politics, Super good. As we mentioned like eight times now, um, we're giving away seven copies of those seven different people. One person's going to win a slew of Kuiper books. So please follow us, um, the Layman's Lounge at, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, MichaelRWagonMan.com is where folks could go. And there's some links to your books, some articles, a little bit about you. And then I know you had mentioned <clears throat> some books coming up. We got Jesus the Rebel. The Revolution of Politics, Economics, and, the, and, and Religion in the Kingdom of God. I don't know if the n- name, is that the right name? Is that what we're sticking with right now? It's sort of the working title. It's basically, how can we rediscover the vitality of the New Testament? Okay, another one. The Power of the Church, the Sacramental Ecclesiology of Abraham Kuyper, forthcoming with Pickwick. Is there anything else you want to uh, commend to us or share with us? Besides making fun of me because I was off 100 years? Jeez, wagon man. You know what? You know what? History is a long, long story. So 100, you know, being off 100 years, like you're, you're, you're in the ballpark. You're pretty good. Thank you, brother. Hey, you know what? Thank you both to both of you. This has been a really great conversation and uh, I hope other people find it encouraging as well. We came for salvation. We came for family. We came for all that's good, that's how we'll walk away. We came to break the bad, we came to cheer the sad, we came to leave.